certain people in your life uh, who, when they work, walk into the room, elicit a, a, a reaction from you? Um, you know, sometimes there are people, they walk into the room or uh, I see a certain person's photograph come up when the phone's phoning, uh, phone's ringing and I'm like, oh, I like that face. Um, other times people uh, walk into the room and you want to run out of the room. Um, when Andrew and I started dating, we were missionaries. We were on, on the doulos and you had to get permission uh, from the men's and women's leaders to be able to date. They called it social permission. And you had to wait a year and uh, I fell for Andrea pretty much as soon as we met. So fortunately, we both arrived at the, ro- at the same time. Uh, the time came where I could ask for social permission um, and Andrea told one of her friends who was from Taiwan and I had managed to really offend her because I can be a bit of a cultural klutz and she said, Alex Huggett, anyone but Alex Huggett. I think she uh, learned to tolerate me after a while. So we all have people in our lives who bring out these reactions. Some people love to bring out reactions online. They love to troll people, and it's really easy to to do that, not mentioning the names of any billionaires trying to get a certain company in order. I don't know if you've been following the shenanigans with Twitter, but it's an absolute, uh, it's hilarious. I actually tried to join Twitter just to watch the shenanigans, but they wanted too much of my information, so I, I didn't get very far with that. In our reading today, when Mary walked into Elizabeth's house, there were all sorts of really positive reactions going on. John leaps in Elizabeth's womb. I'm going to call her Beth for the rest of the time because Elizabeth is too long. Sorry, Liz. And um, and Mary, after the passage today, if you, you want to go home and read that, Mary ends up, just out of this interaction, bursting into prophetic praise to God. Now, that's quite a response when you meet someone. Has anyone ever burst into praise because you've walked into the room? Well, as I just said, I've had the opposite uh, reaction that I've induced in people, but I don't know if anyone's really burst into praise. So what I want to ask this morning is how can we inspire praise like a prophet's mother? Because don't we want to be people as Christians, for those of us who are Christians, who want others to praise God and we want to be people who inspire that sort of reaction to God. So how can we do that? What does uh, Beth teach us uh, about helping other people uh, or inspiring other people to praise. Well, the first thing we read as uh, Mary walks into the room, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting in verse 41, the baby leapt inside her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is sort of where I want to start because sometimes when we're talking about be happy and uh, be a positive person and all that sort of stuff, we can very much start with the focus on ourselves, and there are certainly things that we can do to be that sort of person, but this whole little interaction starts out because of what God is doing, what God has done in the lives of these two women, 
by bringing about miraculous births or conceptions in this case, neither have given birth yet. Uh, and and what God does as Mary walks into the house. And evidently the Holy Spirit is wor- at work in baby John, who is still in his mother's womb. It says the Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth. If we want to be people who inspire praise from other people towards God, kind of makes sense that the Holy Spirit needs to be involved in there in some way or other. Now, you might say, okay, that's great. How do I do that? That's sort of up to God, isn't it? And it's true. God is sovereign. God actually will do what he wants. But I note a couple of things in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul writes, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit is something we're actually exhorted to do. Some people would say we're actually commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, wow, well, how does that work? Well, look, good news, if you're a Christian, you've already got the Holy Spirit. But Paul was urging Christians who already had the Holy Spirit, and he says at the beginning of that letter that you already have the Holy Spirit, he's urging them to be filled. So it's like God wants to fill us up more. Okay, well, how do we do that? I notice if, if you go back, and, and you're probably familiar with this passage and, and the story of, of Zach that our wonderful in-house Beth told us before, um, you compare the story of, of Zechariah with the story of Elizabeth and Mary, and you see quite a contrast here. Because what, what does Zach do when an angel in the temple, no less, walks in and says, hey, mate, you're going to have a baby. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's not how these things work. It's like, dude, where do you think I've just come from? And strikes him dumb. Not much of the Holy Spirit in that little interaction, at least that that Zach is feeling at that moment. You compare that to Mary and Elizabeth and just their response. And, well, we don't know what Elizabeth's response was when... How did that whole thing work? Zechariah gets home, but he can't tell her what's just gone down. Anyway, she figures it out. But Mary, it's just... Uh, she has questions, of course. How, well, God, how can this work? Because, you know, I haven't slept with a man. And last I checked. But her whole disposition... Is and of Elizabeth is one of faith and expectation, as opposed to Zechariah's, which was one of of skepticism and disbelief. I have noticed that the Holy Spirit seems to work, let's say, more actively where He's more welcome when people have an expectation of the Spirit coming, when they have a faith for the Spirit to move in their lives and, and among them, that very often the Spirit does. I, I know in, in my own life that was very much, uh, I had to move 
from a place of being quite skeptical about the work of the Spirit and what he could do in me, not just as a theological concept. I, I had a, that sort of theology a long time before uh, I could say I was filled with the Spirit in any way. So inspiring others to praise God actually begins with a work of God in our heart, but we can help that along a little bit. For me, part of that involved actually just repenting of my skepticism, my disbelief, my I don't want that or God can't do it in me or, you know, I'm somehow special because God wants to do it in everyone else but not in me, uh, to a place of seeking God for that. And God came and God comes and God will fill us because it's not a one and done deal either. Uh, God will fill us and turn us into the sorts of people who are going to inspire praise in others. So it begins with the Holy Spirit. We sort of want to leave uh, or, or let God be God in this whole dynamic. The second thing that we see happens is verse 42, Then Beth exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. Holy Spirit's doing something here. Beth blesses Mary. Now, just back up and have a think about this for a moment, what this must have meant to Mary, okay? Mary is probably a teenager living in a country town. Country towns tend to be a bit more conservative. She's just gotten pregnant. Now, she is engaged, but her fiancé knows that he wasn't the one who got her pregnant. What do you think she is going to expect to hear from people when the baby starts to show? What sort of comments, what sort of reactions can she expect? Not great. The angel says, as he announces her, she's uh, going to be pregnant, miraculously. By the way, your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant. First thing she does is goes to check this out. Isn't this gracious of God? Because instead of the first thing she, she hears is, ex excuse the language a little bit, but something like you slut, she hears, oh, you're blessed. What an amazing gift for Mary to hear in that moment. You know, we live in a world, and look, frankly, some churches can, can really be like this, where there is a lot of judgment. And, you know, the, the church used to be, when I was growing up, accused of being very self-righteous and judgy and, 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 you know, wasn't the place you wanted to go if you wanted to feel good about yourself wasn't necessarily the reality but that could be the reputation man i think that's everywhere now you go online uh you people dig up something you said uh 30 years ago not for some of you because you weren't alive 30 years ago you lucky things but just because you're young not because anyway it doesn't matter um yeah as a complete aside and off topic 
you know who Tim Keller is? He's a pastor in America, well known. And he he, um, he said he's in his seventies now. He, he said he had to uh, repent from having having a bad attitude about growing old. I thought that was great. I'm nowhere near that, so I have to take a leaf out of his book. All of that is completely off track. Let me get back on track. So we live in a culture of judgment. Broadly in the culture, and that can be in the church. But here's the thing for Christians is we get to come in a completely different spirit to that, don't we? Because we are a people who have experienced grace, and grace swallows up judgment. And there are times that, you know, we do need to confront sin. And it's not just that we excuse sin, but, you know, I've noticed that a lot of people, by the time they come and talk to me as a pastor, they're usually pretty aware of their sin. And they don't need to be told more about their sin. What they need to be told is there is grace and a way to blessing and actually that God loves you and that you are blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. Elizabeth blessed Mary. It was the first things, the first way that Mary was greeted when someone heard about her pregnancy. And we can inspire praise in others as well by being a blessing and blessing them and just that whole being positive. And being a blessing isn't just saying good things to people. Being a blessing is uh, almost speaking on behalf of God towards them. There's actually really a lot of power in being a blessing. Then uh, Elizabeth said in verse 43, How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is what Beth is saying. How could I be so lucky? She just brought this humility and this gratitude that flowed out of her humility uh, towards Mary. Now, have a think about this because Mary comes from a backwater town. She is engaged to just an ordinary bloke, a a tradesman. Um, You know, now she's about to step into a world where she has a bit of a disreputable reputation. Beth, on the other hand, is married to a priest. She lives in Judea, which is sort of the center of uh, religion. Um, it's, it's a bit more elevated than the rest of Israel. She could have been jealous of Mary. How come Mary gets to bear the Messiah and I only get to bear the prophet of the Messiah? And as twisted as that sounds, haven't you ever heard someone who's like, I'm lucky but not lucky enough? How come they're luckier than me? Or whatever, there just comes this, you know what all that flows from? And what I, I see is really common, I think, in, in our world again, is entitlement. I deserve this. I deserve better. Or uh, it flows sort of the other way. Is that they don't deserve that. Why did they get that and why didn't I get that? And I tell you what, when you have a sense of entitlement, it really sets you up for a lot of 
negativity. It it sets us up for um, resentment and bitterness. But when we have a sense of humility and an awareness of God's grace, it sets us up for completely the opposite experience. You know, one of the, the things I've learned through life is that people are going to disappoint. And, you know, sometimes when people disappoint, others will just get really angry at them and resentful. And and I'm like, you know what? When people disappoint me, I've just realized the reality is that very often they never owed me anything in the first place. I had, why did I have an expectation here? I mean, you know, I'm not saying there's not complications in relationships that, that come about, but they don't know me. Why am I so special that they're letting me down should uh, provoke me like this? And so as, as Christians, again, we can come with this sense, because we understand grace, that I don't deserve it. But you know what? I don't deserve anything, but in Christ I have everything. And when we come with that, sort of mentality, what does it do in us? Just a sense of gratitude. And so when others win, and I love this, when others win, we can celebrate with them. I don't have to get jealous because you've done better than me or uh, your name got drawn out of the hat or you got picked even though I think I'm actually better than you. It's like, hey, let's just celebrate the wins because it was never really mine in the first place. It's all of grace and grace has picked you, and that doesn't mean grace has overlooked me, and we can celebrate that. We can inspire praise in others when we approach them with humility and grace as Elizabeth approached Mary. Then she says, verse 44, For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside of me. The baby leapt for joy. Elizabeth was following the joy where that led. You know, as as Christians, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It says in Galatians, love, joy. You can just get so far on joy. And that was certainly my experience as, uh, when I early on, uh, well, actually wasn't so early as a Christian, but you know, at one stage in my Christian life, I was really filled with just guilt and sense of uh, self-condemnation. It was just all the time. It was always just hung over me like a cloud. And one of the things that when the Holy Spirit came and and filled me was that all left. And I just felt this joy. It was the first time I actually understood that Peter says in his letter that you are filled with an inexpressible joy. And I was like, I didn't know what that actually meant. And then I did. Now, for a lot of us, uh, you know, we look at the world and, and there's a lot of reasons perhaps not to feel joy. There's a lot of reasons we might look at the world and feel anxious. You know, there's a war over in Ukraine and shadows of war, the clouds of war are uh, sort of coming over our way. People are starting to, to gear up and get onto a war footing um, in the West. Uh, we look at where climate change, uh, we look at the economy and they're forecasting recession. Um, we're probably in practically in recession anyway with the way interest rates are going. And and we can look at all that and it can fill us with anxiety. And that would certainly be a realistic 
way to look at the world, but it's not necessarily a Christian world. There's something about joy, Christian joy, that isn't dependent on our circumstances. There rises above it, and I think it's because we have that heavenly aspect. Richard Wormbrand was, uh, I think, Romanian uh, pastor uh, back in the when Romania was under communism, um, and he was arrested for his faith and brutally beaten and tortured for his faith. But he says at night when he was lying in his cell, broken, broken legs, bloodied, bruised. He said he would just, this fellowship with the Lord just gave him such a joy. He would almost want to get up and dance if he could have. Christian joy is not dependent on the circumstances of our life. It's dependent on our focus. We live in a world and a society where mental health issues uh, are growing increasingly everywhere. You know, there's more of it and it seems to be worse and i don't want to deny that look and i want to say it's not a sin to struggle with with poor mental health that's not the the issue and uh and sometimes we we don't know where it comes from but you know there are times i think that particularly as christians we don't help ourselves either i don't know about you but there are times i do things that i just don't help myself I, I do things, I, I know I'm not aligned with the Word of God, I'm not aligned with wisdom, but I do things that I know are unhelpful. You know, I spend too much time online, I don't spend enough time just meditating and, and reflecting and in, on the Word and in prayer, and, and, and then there's things that we get caught up with um, in the world that we know are sinful, but we somehow can't seem to shake it and and it can get on top of us. So I think we can do things as Christians, sometimes very practically, to help us find the joy. But I just want to say, if you want to be someone who inspires praise in others, follow the joy. Where is the joy leading? It'll lead us back to God every time. And then finally... Verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And so Beth commends Mary for her faith. She encourages faith. Now, And this is actually kind of crucial. If we're going to inspire others to praise God, they need to know where we get our mojo from. Have you ever had people come to you and or you, or, or talk about someone else and say, they're just a really nice person. You know, people say, occasionally might say something about that. And I'm like, I don't want the focus to be on me. I want, you know why, if you think I'm a nice person, I don't think I'm a nice person. Do you know what you're seeing is Jesus in me? I don't necessarily tell that to everyone though, but if we're going to inspire faith, we sort of need to let people know where the actual focus is. Being positive is good, but if people don't know the source of our joy, then it's not going to lead to praise, not of God at least. William Lane Craig is an American philosopher and apologist and theologian, and he talks about when he was a young man, he didn't believe he was an atheist. He's in school, and he said he had a lot of anger and bitterness and stuff in his life, and there was this girl who was a Christian in his class. He said she was always happy. She was always joyful. He said, it made you sick. She was so joyful. 
And he says to her one day, I think her name was Sandy or something like, Sandy, why are you always so happy? And what could she have? What would you say in a situation like that? Oh, I don't know. I'm just having a good day or something. No. She said, well, it's because I know Jesus. And uh, I've, I've given my life to Jesus and he has filled me with joy. And that prompted a search for William, uh, for Bill Craig that led to his conversion. And uh, he, for a long time, has been one of the foremost defenders of Christianity in the world. First Peter, the letter of First Peter says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Now, you might think sometimes when, oh, if I have to go and share the gospel with someone and you get tongue-tied or, or something like that, but we can all be ready just to say when someone, what is it? What's different about you? Or why are you so happy? Or what? It's because of Jesus. It's a very simple thing to say. That's all we need to say. It's just because of Jesus. It's not because of me. And then when we point others to God, it'll inspire praise. Now, it may also inspire mockery in those sorts of cases. But you know what? That's on them. <laughs> They're going to have to deal with God about that, not you. You have lifted up his name. So what do we do? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit. Ask God. If you want to be someone who inspires praise, ask God, fill me with your spirit. Make me that sort of person because ultimately this is a work of God in our lives. Be someone who blesses others. Just have that disposition. If I get a chance, can I bless someone else? Be humble. Understand that I don't deserve anything, but I've been given everything in the Lord. Follow the joy. What's going to bring joy? What do joy in, in, in this situation? And encourage faith. Name it. Commend people. When you see faith in someone else, say, love your faith. I love how you make me see Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. And maybe we can be people who inspire praise in others when we do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example of, well, these two women, Elizabeth and Mary. We sometimes forget about Elizabeth in this story uh, because her part is fairly fleeting. But Father, I pray that you will help us to be like her, people who inspire others to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.